If you have your Bibles, let's turn real quickly to Luke chapter 24. And we are going to continue in our series on getting to know God by name. And as you see behind me, we got names listed up and we're going to fill that wall with the wonderful names of God. And today we're going to look at the name God is near. Now, it's not in your notes today because I kind of came across this uh, later on in the week. As you know, we publish on Wednesday and Thursday, and so anything after that doesn't get in the notes. So a lot of what I'm going to talk about today is not in the notes, but that's okay. We're going to discover the God who is near, and we're going to go to um, Luke chapter 24. So I want you to go to Luke if you have your Bibles. We're going to go to Luke chapter 24, and we are going to discover... The God who is near. Aren't you grateful today that God is near? Now, in the Old Testament, I like to give you an Old Testament. I like to give you a New Testament. But here's the, 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 the Old Testament scripture of God is near. It's Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7. It's in your notes. And here's what it says. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord your God is near us? Whenever we pray to him, that is, God is near. Now, in Luke chapter 24, this is probably one of my most favorite stories in the New Testament illustrating God's nearness. It's an incredible story. We're not going to go through the whole chapter. I'm only going to point out four or five points in this incredible story but it's found in Luke chapter 24, and it's going to illustrate beautifully what I believe is, the, is, is the, the lesson that we need to learn today that God is near. And it's found in Luke chapter 24, and here's the, here's the background story just for a couple minutes. Jesus has just been crucified, laid in the tomb, and word from Facebook is that he is no longer in the tomb. And the disciples are freaking out. They are perplexed. They are confused. They are fearful. They do not understand what is going on. And Peter had just been to the tomb and discovered that the linens were there and Jesus was not there. And it says this in Luke 24, and Peter was wondering... What was going on? Have you ever been in a situation where you were wondering what was going on? What are you up to, God? What's going on? Why am I afraid? Why am I fearful? Why am I anxious? Why am I stressed? Why am I confused? And these disciples were absolutely petrified at what was going on. This all took place in the city called Jerusalem. Everyone say Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the city of peace. And at this time... There was no peace in Jerusalem. The city was going crazy. The city was a buzz. Rumors were everywhere, and there was no peace to be found in Jerusalem. So a couple of the disciples said, we've got to get away. We've got to get out of this city. We've got to leave, and we're going to go to a city called Emmaus. 
The Bible says that it's about seven miles from Jerusalem. So they left on my right and your left. This is symbolic of the city of Jerusalem. It's supposed to be a city of peace, but now it's a city of confusion and stress and anxiety and fear. And a couple of disciples say, we got to get out. It's time for us to go to the Ritz-Carlton. It's time for us to go to Palm Springs. It's time for us to go to the beach. And the Bible says they left Jerusalem and they were on their way to a city called Emmaus. I've been there. In fact, I've taken some of you there. We have been to this city. I have walked this road. We have seen this road to Emmaus. The word Emmaus means a warm spring. It was a retreat center. It was where the rich would leave Jerusalem and they would check into Palm Springs and they would hang out in Emmaus and they would sit in the pools and the pools would bring healing to their body. It was the place of retreat. And on the way from Jerusalem, the city of peace, to Emmaus, the warm spring, the disciples were talking to each other. And the Bible says something fascinating. The Bible says that as they were walking on the road to Emmaus, Jesus showed up. Jesus made himself near. Jesus was walking with them and talking with them. And the crazy thing is, they didn't even recognize him. I find that fascinating. They had spent three and a half years with him, seeing him heal the sick, seeing him feed the 5,000, seeing him perform miracles, and now Jesus is walking with them. Watch this. And they were so depressed, they were so discouraged, they were so fearful, they were so afraid that they couldn't even recognize that it was Jesus who was walking with them. And as they were walking on the way from Jerusalem to Emmaus, they started to talk. And at the end of the evening... The Bible says that Jesus was acting as if he was going to go further, and the disciples constrained him and said, you can't leave. Stay with us. And Jesus stayed with them, and they broke bread. The bread and the wine was revealed to the disciples, and as they were breaking bread, the Bible says their eyes were opened. And then he left them. And here they are on their way to Emmaus, and the Bible says something really fascinating. The Bible says that as their eyes were open and they saw Jesus, at once they returned back to Jerusalem. I want to ask you a question this morning. When was the last time that you were like the disciples? Afraid, confused, mad, angry? stressed, and worried. You see, we're just like the disciples, aren't we? we? We have our way of retreating, don't we? We have our way of checking out for a few days, don't we? But the real problem and the real challenge that we have is, is that we can leave Jerusalem, we can leave our situation, and things really not change very much. Things really remain the same. And yet, we all have our Emmaus. We have that place where we need to go. It could be a hobby. It could be something that you like to do on the side. It could be something that is very, very good. But that's not really the answer to what is going on in our lives. We can't retreat forever because God has called us not to live in Emmaus. God has called us to live in Jerusalem. What is your Emmaus? 
What do you run to when you're stressed? What do you run to when you're fearful? Is there, anyone, is there anyone here today you've ever been fearful and stressed and worried? Can I see your hands? We all have our retreat, don't we? We all have our warm spring that we go to, don't we? It could be fishing. It could be golf. It could be knitting. It could be alcohol. It could be pornography. It could be Facebook. That thing that we run to when life doesn't make sense. What's your Emmaus? And there's nothing wrong with the city of Emmaus. There's nothing wrong with retreating. There's nothing wrong with going to a place of rest. But the answer is not staying in Emmaus. The true answer is going back to the place that God has called us. Jesus needed the disciples not in Emmaus. He needed them in Jerusalem. And when their eyes were opened and they saw who Jesus was, the Bible says they returned at once to Jerusalem to complete the task that God has called them to do. God is near. And you may be here today and you may be fearful. You may be running from something. You may be confused and angry and upset. And in those moments, that's when God is the nearest. God's promise to us is that he will always be there. God is near. Now, if you have your pencil and your notes, get them out. I'm going to give you uh, five points here real quickly about how we respond to difficulty and how God reveals himself to us. If you're with me this morning, let me hear an amen. amen. Number one, here's the principle, life lessons you can learn. When you run, God runs with you. I like that. When you run, when you retreat, when you leave Jerusalem and head to Emmaus, you can run, but God will always be running with you. Why? God is near. Have you ever run? Have you ever been like the disciples and kind of check out and just kind of just say, I've had it, I'm confused, I'm worried, I'm fearful, I'm leaving town, I'm going to get away. And you can run. But God will always run with you. Psalm 139 says, where can I go from your spirit? If I go to the beach, you're there. If I go to a football game, you're there. If I go fishing, you're there. If I knit, you're there. Where can I go from your, from your spirit? The principle is that God goes with you everywhere you go, and God is always near. When you run, God will always go with you. Can I get an Amen. I mean, ask Jonah. Jonah tried to run, didn't he? And what happened? He found out, just like us, that you can run, but when you run, God always go, goes with you. By the way, Jonah's name means a dove. And didn't David say it in Psalms? If I had the wings of a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. You can't outrun God. And when you run... God will always be there with you. Let me, hear, let, let me hear a big amen. Look in your notes just for a few moments. We're in Luke chapter 24. Look what it says here. Verse 12. Peter, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Verse 13. Now, there came a day when two of them were going into a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. 
They were running, but God always runs with, with you. Number two, when it's the darkest, God is the nearest. When it is the darkest, God is nearest. Look what it says there in verse, in verse 15. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. How many of you are here today and you've ever had a, a dark moment in your life? A bankruptcy, a sickness, a divorce, a tragedy with your child. I've got really great news for you today. There will be moments in your walk with God where you will not see him. You will not sense him. You will not feel him. The emoji that you hold up will be one of confusion and asking God, where are you? But when it's the darkest, God is the nearest. Why? Because God is near. And I've had moments in my life, and you've had moments in your life, where you're wondering, God, where are you? God, what's going on? God, I can't see a thing. God, I'm confused. And in your darkest moments, God will always be the nearest. And here these disciples were running, trying to get away. And in their darkest moment, God was right with them, walking with them. Why? Because when it is the darkest, God is always nearest. John chapter 1, I love this, verse 5 says, And the light shines in darkness, and darkness cannot overcome it. There's people here today, you're, you're walking through a dark time. You're walking through difficulty. You're walking through uncertainty. And when it is the darkest, God is always the nearest. Can I get an amen? amen. Number three, I love this one. This is found in verse 28. When we constrain God, God will always stay with us. Watch this. They're walking along, and the Bible says that Jesus was acting as if he was going to go further. And the Bible says that they urged him not to stay. They constrained him and they said, please don't go. There will be a time in your life where God may require you to constrain him and not let him go. God, I need you. We can be like Jacob in the Old Testament. I am not going to let you go until you bless me. There will be a time in your walk where God will require that you have to reach out and constrain him not to leave you. He was acting as if he was going to go further. He wanted to see if they were hungry. He wanted to see how they would respond. So they're walking along, and Jesus walked a little bit faster, and the disciples got a hold of his sport coat and said, you are not leaving. And they constrained Jesus on the road to Emmaus. There's a woman by the name of Fanny Crosby. In 1868, she was blind most of her life. She wrote over 8,500 hymns of the church. And one that she is most famous for is a beautiful illustration of my point here today. It's called Pass Me Not, 
O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, watch this, do not pass me by. See, there's going to come a time in your life where God is going to require an urgency out of you. That on your road of retreat and God shows up, you're going to have to get a hold of him and not let go. Do not pass me by. God wants to see your hunger. He wants to see your thirst. He wants to see are you serious enough to get a hold of him like Jacob and say, I am not going to let go until you bless me. Those disciples were so consumed with getting help and getting hope that they constrained Jesus and they said, we are not going to let you go until you bless us. There's going to be a time in your walk with God where God's going to see if you're serious. Where God's going to see if you're willing to fight. God wants to see if you're willing to, 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 to hang on to him and constrain him so that he can reveal himself to you. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others though thou art calling, do not pass me by. I hope that you, in your moments of desperation and confusion and anxiety, constrain God and ask him not to leave you until you get the revelation that you need to go further. Can I get an amen? amen. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Point number four, if you're still with me, let me hear an amen. amen. God's wanting to see if you're serious. He's wanting to see if you are willing to, to fight. Number four, when we worship God, God will open our eyes. When we worship God, when we worship Jesus, God will open our eyes. Here's what happened. The Bible says that Jesus got out the, got out the, the cup and he got out the bread. This is, this is what uh, a gift that was given to me from Jerusalem when I went there a few years ago. Beautiful symbol of me of the, of the bread and the cup. Jesus sat down with the disciples. Once they constrained him, he sat down with the disciples. And what did he do? He broke bread. And he gave them the wine. And something amazing happened when he broke the bread and gave them the wine. The Bible says that as they were fellowshipping together, their eyes were opened. There is something powerful about communion. It's not just a ritual. It's just not a tradition. And I know things have changed here because of COVID and we're, we're kind of out of sync and we got the little cups that are hard to open up and it's kind of weird and hopefully we're going to get back to a time where we can come down and have real communion. But communion is powerful because it is intimacy with God. And when you and I fellowship, when we worship, when we allow the bread and the cup to cover our sins, it opens our eyes and we see Jesus in a new way. 
Can I remind you that it was just a few short days prior to this in the upper room in Jerusalem, in the city of peace, that Jesus broke bread and gave them the wine. And yet a few days later, they were confused and angry and stressed and filled with questions. That's why it's powerful. Every time we have the opportunity to allow the, the wine and the bread, it opens our eyes when we begin to worship and we become intimate with the Creator. And what happens when we worship, God opens our eyes and we see Him again. And here they are on the road to Emmaus. And suddenly their eyes are open. And you think this story is going to end good, but it starts to get a little confusing because once their eyes were open, guess what Jesus did? He disappeared from their sight. How crazy is that? They just had their eyes open. They were singing hallelujah. And Jesus was there, and they started to sing the second verse. And Jesus is gone. What's that about? It's almost like cat and mouse. He's not trying to be weird or mess with you, but he is a God, watch this, who wants to be wanted. He wants to be pursued. He wants you to constrain him. He wants you to worship him. And when your eyes are open and you see who he is, he leaves and it causes, watch this, a hunger in you to want to see him again. And in your darkest moments, in your times of despair and questions and worry, your eyes will be open through worship and Jesus will disappear. It's kind of like junior high boyfriends and girlfriends. <laughs> he wants to see if you want him. The Bible says draw near to God and God will do what? He'll draw near to you. He's waiting to see how you respond. He's waiting to see what you do in the middle of worship. When the choir is singing and the band is playing, are you intimate with him and worshiping him and fellowshipping with him and allowing your eyes to be opened? Because if you do, you'll see him. And then guess what? He'll leave because he wants you to pursue him. And in the midst of your questions, in the midst of your fear, in the midst of your worries, in the midst of your confusion, your eyes will be open. And Jesus will reveal himself to you, and then he'll disappear, so you will find him again. Point number five. Bruce, come up to the keyboard, if you will. I love this one. Psalm 118, 119, verse 18. Watch this. Open my eyes, that I may see the wondrous things in your law. You know what my prayer for you today is, church? That God will open our eyes to see him. In fact, let's do this just for a moment. I know this is kind of weird, but that's okay. Everybody just touch your eyes. In the midst of confusion, in the midst of anger, in the midst of questions, the bread was broken and the wine was poured and suddenly their eyes were opened and they saw Jesus. Open our eyes, Lord, 
that we may see you in the midst of our confusion, in the midst of our fear, in the midst of our stress, in the midst of our anxiety. God, we want to see you open our eyes. I want to read a verse of scripture to you. Just don't go there. This is found in Ephesians chapter, chapter 1. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope. Everyone say hope. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for those who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Watch this, church. When God opens your eyes, it gives you hope. You see Jesus for who he is, and life becomes a little better, and you get victory in every situation that you are faced with. When your eyes are open. Here's the last point. When we know that he's near, we will return with courage and faith. Watch this. Watch this. They're on the way to Emmaus. And they're wanting to get a retreat. They're wanting to get away. Jesus shows up. Their eyes are open. And what do the disciples do? Watch this, church. The Bible says they returned at once to Jerusalem. They didn't get their spa day. They didn't get the buffet. They didn't get the retreat. As soon as their eyes were open, the Bible says they returned at once to Jerusalem. Watch this. The city where God needed them to be, the Bible says they returned at once and they did the, 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 the very thing that they were afraid to do a few hours prior, they came back to Jerusalem to fulfill the Great Commission. God wants you, wants me, to return at once with courage, with faith. I've seen Jesus, and I'm filled with courage, and I'm filled with faith to overcome whatever I was afraid of. I'm going to live in victory. I'm going to go back to that place of peace. I'm going to stay in Jerusalem and do what you've called me to do. I pray that as a church, we will return at once with courage and with faith. Can I get an amen? amen. We're at a crossroads as a church. Maybe you know. Sometimes it's been a little confusing, a little fearful, a little stressful. But we are on the verge of seeing some incredible things take place at Belle Isle Community Church. And that won't happen if we run from the stress and the anxiety that we're faced with. We need to be filled with God's spirit, filled with God's courage, and do the thing that is difficult to do so that we can be in God's sweet spot of blessing. It's not in Emmaus. It's in Jerusalem that God wants us to be blessed. I'm delighted to tell you that uh, last Sunday and this Sunday, we've got 40, 40 brand new people joining Belle Community Church. 
God's going to do a new thing. And it's not going to be in Emmaus. It's going to be in Jerusalem where the Spirit of God is going to be poured out on all people. How many of you want God's Spirit poured out on you? We want all of God. That happens in Jerusalem when you're filled with courage and you're filled with hope. Would you stand up across the auditorium? I want to pray for you. There's people that are here today that you, you're wanting to run. You're wanting to retreat. It's getting hot in the kitchen. And you're wanting to leave. And God wants to reveal himself to you so you'll return to Jerusalem and do what he's called you to do. City of peace. The city where God has called you. The city where his spirit is going to be poured out on all people. It's available through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Would you bow your hearts with me and let's pray for courage to do the hard thing, to do what is not easy, to do what is not comfortable, not to run and hide and retreat, but to face uncertainty with courage and faith. Why? Because we've seen Jesus and where God is near. And God is with us. With us. And if God is with us, who can be against us? God is with us today. Father, I pray for your people. God, we all are guilty of wanting to run and get away and check out. God, I pray that we, like the disciples, will learn to develop that discipline of seeking you and worshiping you so their eyes will be open. Lord, I pray for your people that their eyes will be open as they worship you. As they fellowship with you, as they are intimate with you, I pray their eyes will be opened and you will fill them with courage and faith to believe for the impossible. We silence the voice of the enemy today and we speak hope and life and peace into their lives and their circumstances. Holy Spirit, we need you today. We look to you to be our source of strength and power to do what we couldn't do before. Give us that ability, I pray, in the name of Jesus.